0: Uh, this is the Mido podcast. I'm Ashley
1: and I'm Megan
0: and today we have a guest. Her name is Mina. Hi, Mina. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for being on the podcast with us. We appreciate <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Mina, where where are you from? Like where, what part of the world are you from? I'm from
1: California. I was born and raised here. Um, I don't know if anyone of you guys heard of Diamond Bar. It's like Southern California, um, oh, an hour by Los Angeles, an hour by the beach, something like that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We're in San Diego. So, um, Oh, that's not too far. Yeah. Oh. Not too far, but I haven't heard of that. So I might have to look it up on the map. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us kind of how your Mito story began about how old were you when you first got diagnosed?
1: I think I was in my 20s. Um, I would say like my early 20s. And um, it all started with uh, having a headache. Oh, I was studying. So I was studying for like a big um, bridge program for medical school and all that. And then, um, you know, I thought it was stress, but I guess like it wasn't. So it started with headaches. And then with headaches, it's, you know, um, I started acting weird, because this time I was looking at my boyfriend, and um, meaning I wasn't talking as much, because I'm very talkative, I'm already, like, outgoing, and it was more, like, out there, like, not, you know, kind of, like, quiet, and not looking, and whenever, and slowly, and at a little other time, stopped with headaches, then I was, you know, um, I was kind of out of it, then slowly, I started, um, when he would talk to me, my response back wouldn't make sense sometimes like whatever I would want to say in my brain would come out differently or come out my speech was off so I mean I kept saying it's stress don't worry about it I'm okay like I just just leave me alone I'm tired like you know but so um and then um it's a couple of weeks and then um I think him and his sister decided to take me to emergency room because like you know, I've been like, no, no, I'm okay. Like, I'm fine and everything. And then um, and as soon as they go to the hospital or emergency room or whatever, like, you know, I think within hours, I started getting seizures. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then they were scared too. everyone is scared. And, um, you know, I was, I was studying in New York, far away from home. So I was like, by myself, like, you know, doing this. And it was shocking for you know, my boyfriend and, um, long story short, my parents had to come and visit me. I was in the hospital for like a good, um, approximately two weeks because of like so many testing, like, um, my tab to like blood cultures to blood testing, to like, you know, MRIs, to contrast and all that. So to figure out what's this girl, she's smart, she's young, she's she has everything going for herself, but what is she, why is she having these seizures? Why is she acting like this and all that? So the seizures continued to have small seizures to a little cluster seizures. So um, then it kind of stopped and then, you know, slowly got better back to my feet. But like, it was a process because the first thing I had to remember things and then, because it was a stroke, like, I guess the whole thing was like a stroke like episode, right? So with accommodating the seizures and all this weird stuff, like headaches and like slurred speech and like all that stuff. So I was at the hospital approximately for two weeks just all the testing and resting and recovering. And the first recovering was like walking, speaking, you know, because you have to get back to your feet. Kind of like when you have a stroke episode, everything like just messes up your brain to like your motor skills and your cognitive skills and it really sucks so i had to you know get back to walking and all that and just remembering things and going back to my speech so long story short i came back home to california i started speech therapy um i you know i couldn't drive for six months um i was so out of it i i I couldn't go back to I couldn't go to school I quit that school so you know it was like resting and kind of get back to myself and then yeah so um finally he found a doctor because okay backtrack so this happened in Newark in the mid-20s when I had this, right? So when I when I came back home, we're still trying to figure out what's the diagnosis? Why did she get sick? All these questions, all these answers, right? So finally found this doctor in UCLA. It's in Los Angeles. Um, my doctor's Dr. Saver, and he's the one who found out through numerous testing. And um, I don't... Then he kind of said like, oh, you know... Your testing your blood testing or cultures or whatever shows that you have a mutation that really reads to a mitochondrial symptom which is specifically me loss and I was like oh my gosh what is that well I didn't know I knew what it was because I'm a bio major so I knew it was something mitochondria but I didn't know like exactly what it was so I was just really um surprised because generally speaking it's a hereditary disease right and then um my mom doesn't have it. My brother doesn't have it. I'm the only one that has it. Um, So he diagnosed me. And then from there, it came to, like, more speech therapy, more recovery, and all that. And then um, I finally got back to go to school, like, just to, like, learn, just, you know, get back to myself. And then a couple years after... I started having hearing loss and it was kind of like all of a sudden it was kind of um when I was teaching actually and then or well I don't it wasn't actually teaching but during that phase of when I was teaching students on am students in middle school and um so I noticed hearing loss and I got tested and they said yeah you really have hearing loss like you need hearing aids and I was like I was like, great, and I, I, it's part of the whole mitochondrial syndrome, US, that I do have, so, that's really sad about it, and I had to get hearing aids, I'm, like, still young, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out my career, start my career, and all of a sudden, I get a uh, hearing loss, you know, and then, I felt like that was a, an obstacle, you know, I mean, it's hard because like I keep telling myself it's not like I'm mean, just like everybody else I like, wear my hearing is I can do everything everything fine but it's not because people like make fun of it judge you and you miss things like not everything's perfect with hearing you know um even okay even with school like sometimes I have to ask for captioning or a captioner and all that and um I'm part of the disabled student services now because of like you know, of everything that the names that I need, especially when it comes to hearing and um which comes as like extra timing on testing and captioning, like I mentioned with the captioner and sometimes even Zoom caption, which is so hard to get, right? But it happens sometimes, but okay. And then uh, those are the little obstacles I found. And then there's more obstacles like with like I notice in work, and I'm going off topic, or you still want to hear this?
0: Totally. Okay. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, so with work, it's like, you know, it's, it's hard because when you work with a team, or when you work with, you know, their colleagues, they know, and they notice, and uh, I feel like they judge you, and they treat you a little bit differently, and it's, that's because they try not to, but it's just there, you know, and then uh, even with like doing errands and talking, sometimes like I have to pe- repeat things over and over because sometimes I don't wear my hearing aids and sometimes I do because I feel like if I'm just going to go to Target or buy Starbucks, why do I need my hearing aid? But like, you know, so I just kind of have to say, "Hey, can you say it louder?" or "Can you say it again?" or I mean, sometimes I get annoyed or whatever. But and um, so those are the obstacles. I feel like dealing during daily routine daily routines or errands or whatever and then during work because people notice it they don't you and during school you have to get these extra stuff and then when it comes to dating oh my god I'm still single <laughs> and I'm like in my 30s now so and everyone's like you're 30s and you're single I was like well I mean a big chunk of it I think is because of the hearing loss and. Tell people I can't have kids or if, if I have kids they might have it you know and then people like get shocked because like maybe they want to have kids or maybe like you know they don't they don't like the whole hearing loss thing they're like they kind of they feel
0: like it's like just I don't I can't really explain it um it's something that people are not used to it's something that isn't um widely understood by a general public. And a lot of times people are scared of things that they don't understand. And that's not a good thing because you, I mean, I know that we're just meeting, but you sound like such a fun person and, um, it bums me out that that has become such an obstacle for you. And unfortunately with me lost, that's, that's kind of, uh, how it goes, like you could not have any symptoms one day. And then gradually, as you get older, things start to change. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention the fatigue and the
1: all the supplements I have to eat uh, after to add to my um, dairy diet. And, you know, talking to numerous doctors and following it and write the diagnosis and, um, I am part of the UMDF, um, United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation. And um, I've just started to be an ambassador because I really want to spread my word. That's how I find you, you guys to like share my story. Um, and yeah, so do you have any questions for me? I feel like I just was like, I threw out so much information in front of you guys. <laughs> no,
0: that's good, that's what we want, your story. Um, so just what are some of the supplements? Because I have a 12-year-old son that's about to be 13 that has uh, Mito. Um, and so of course, we're very familiar with the supplement, supplements. But what are some of the supplements that you actually take? You
1: know what? Um, I've, done, I've done my own research because I, I'm a bio major and a scientist as well. So I've done my own research. And unfortunately, like, that's how it is, but some doctors will say, like, the basics, like, oh, Coenzyme Q10, um, L-Arginine, and, um, but I still add a little bit more to it, you know, like, more vitamin C, more um, leptin. Um, lipotic acid and some other stuff and um, I'm looking to get more supplements in the future but I really want to get the right supplements that really fits for me you know so which is hard because you know with school and everything I'm handling I'm trying to like talk to the right doctor that tells me you should take this 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 for you because everyone has different mitochondrial symptoms. I heard meaning like there's some severe um mild to meteor to whatever so um and it's hard to find the exact needs you know so I'm just like bugging doctors everywhere like trying to find it still to this day find them you know they Right doctor that really is the best for me, and unfortunately, I haven't found the right one. But I've been have found good doctors, the ones that diagnosed me, and um, so local ones. But there's still a lot of answers, I you know, and so many questions and nothing, you know. And sometimes, like, um,
0: so I'm still doing research to find the best doctor for me, yeah, and also just figuring out dosages too, because. You might have all of the supplements that doctors suggest, but you need to figure out, like you said, figuring out which ones work the best for your body and also figuring out what dose you need of each supplement to get any of the benefits from it. Um, and I think that that can be very frustrating for a lot of people because it's, it's, there's no right or wrong with the supplements that we have. Exactly. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And sometimes we just have it wrong.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or overdose. I don't want not- to take like 100 vitamins and like, um, you know, that's that's actually not good for you to so overdose with vitamins.
0: No, right. it's not. So figuring that out is, is difficult, but you still have to do it. You still need to figure out what what your sweet spot is with all of these different things. Um, and until we can get more research and more doctors and more scientists to be able to do the research for it. Um, unfortunately, it's just one of those things that we each have to do our own trial for. Yeah, it goes for dieting too, right?
1: I feel like, oh, well, I'm not like the best. I have a lot of cheat days and good days, but, um, you know, you have to like um, have more greens a lot of kale spinach and a lot of um, stay away from grains I heard and like um, and- fasting and certain exercises it's a lot like I'm like really like do I have time <laughs> yeah. yeah so with the, all this fatigue I feel and no energy and if everything I have to go through with work or school frequent yeah. dating it's hard to jumble everything and just be healthy like semi-healthy and feel
0: good every day like yeah it is and when you're talking about different diets um, a lot of those things are what you're trying to get your body to be able to do without expending enough or without expending a lot of energy so when you're eating those greens higher energy yeah your fiber is up it's making your digestive system work a little bit better so that you your the rest of your body doesn't have to push so much to to make you we, we just did a podcast we, we haven't released it yet about going number two but um but that's all part of it and and to on the opposite side of that of doing like the keto diet that it doesn't work for everyone but people who have seizures a lot of times benefit that type of diet so yeah it's figuring out your body figuring i out- kind of switch around i don't even know what's right and right or
1: what's the the best for me. That's the hardest part, and I still haven't got us to nutritionist.
0: I don't know if I should, and <sighs> you know what would be great one day is if we could have a mito nutritionist because exactly that's what I mean. <laughs> they're regular nutritionists they're great and they are able to teach you so much about different nutrients and foods that you should be eating, but they don't understand mito, and so. One issue that I came across, um, when I was in the hospital with my daughter was they were trying to put her on a specific formula diet and the nutritionists that were coming in, didn't understand what Mito was. They didn't understand what her body needed. They were just talking like she was a neurotypical child who, who was just, we we were in the hospital for getting a G-tube. And it was like, no, that doesn't work that way, especially since she was breastfed and she didn't take anything by mouth and so they kept talking about all these foods that she should be eating I'm like okay that's that's great but <laughs> yeah she- you
1: have to really come to the the deep of everything of what really a mitochondria is and the person's needs and then finally go
0: from there you know which is the hardest part yeah exactly exactly but That's also part, I think, for any any person, even if you don't have a mitochondrial disease or dysfunction, is figuring that sweet spot out for yourself, um, and knowing what diet your body does well with, Um, because it's going to be different for everybody, regardless of of the ailments that are working against you. Um, But what? So I know you mentioned it, but and you're going to school, but so what exactly are you going to school for? going to school for
1: clinical lab science which is like um diagnostic testing I feel like if I have to if I have to if I want to help be part of the healthcare, and I can't be one-on-one unfortunately because like that was kind of something I wanted but it can't happen with my hearing and everything and if I can just do some sort of diagnostic for people and help them in
0: behind the scenes and that's that's awesome. That's the best I can get, you know. Yeah. yeah. How, how much longer do you have in school?
1: I have another year or so approximately. That's Not so well.
0: Oh, you're so close. Yeah. <laughs> it's so exciting when you're down to that last year, but even better when you're down to like that last semester or quarter or whatever. Oh yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the best feeling. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for anybody that is listening anything that you want them to know or or give a message
1: you know what my advice would just be like um stay positive and try not to make all these obstacles like bug you from being who you can't be and um you know if someone has malus or mitochondrial syndrome, they really have to do their own research and, um, everything from dieting to finding the right doctor to finding um, the right medication. Um, it's a lot. So, um, find support, you know, there's foundations out there. Again, I mentioned UMDF with this United mitochondrial disease foundation. They're awesome. They have, um, sometimes meetings. Unfortunately, they don't have too many meetings on the West Coast, but um, they answer a lot of questions. Um,
0: yeah, they're trying really hard to expand in California. Um, it they're, is. They're based more East Coast, so it's they've been able to create this great enclave of, of that side of our nation. And they're trying really hard to, to, to get into California better. Um, Megan and I became ambassadors for them last year, too. Um, So, yeah, they're trying really hard, and they do um, a a conference every year. Obviously, last year was canceled. Um, This year, I don't know yet. Have we heard anything? No, I don't don't think so, but I'm assuming it's probably going to be a virtual situation like last year yeah yeah um but there are like you said there there are some great foundations out there you just have to look for them and 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 it's hard there's i think probably four main ones so umdf is one mito research fund here in san diego we have mito action and oh yeah um there's one in australia that i'm blanking. but i want
1: someone like what i was so I was. I was actually like pretty happy to find your ladies to, you know, talk about my story because you're in San Diego, which is West Coast and more local. But like, that's the most I can, I know now besides UMDF. But they're like, you know, it's all virtual and all that. So, um, yeah. I oh I forgot to mention that. Um, right now I'm not taking anti seizure medication, um, because it's been quite a month quite a while for my last seizures. So, um, so it's been a while since I had one, so that's good.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you are listening, you were just listening to the Mito podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts, please email us at Mito. Oh, I almost gave the wrong email address. <laughs> my- podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook or on instagram and you can also find us on youtube so thank you again Nina. really appreciate you being on today
1: yes, thank you so much for sharing your story was
0: nothing thank you for having me bye